Hello and welcome to the Wedding Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Pete the Celebrant, and we are proudly sponsored by Easy Weddings. Easy Weddings helps thousands of couples nail their big day every year. With their award-winning directory and mobile apps, you can find and book top-rated wedding suppliers, stay on track with their planning tools, or for a more hands-off approach, you can work with a wedding planner to save you time and money. And the best thing, it's free. So jump on easyweddings.com.au to start your stress-free journey up the aisle today. Joining us for the episode is Sammy Yeager from Fuel Collective. We learn about why her and her husband Nathan established Fuel Collective and how they can help you build a relationship that not only lasts, but where you can achieve all your life goals. Allow me to introduce you to the very supportive Sammy Yeager. Well, hello and welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me. And today we have Sammy Yeager from the Fuel Collective. Sammy, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good considering it's lockdown life. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. And is it, I feel like I just said your last name wrong. It's Yaga, isn't it? Not Yeager. Yeager. Jaeger, like Jaeger. a Jaeger bomb. Like a Jaeger bomb. Excellent. Lovely. Well, take us through, I'm curious, Sammy, uh, you know, yourself and your husband, Nathan, run the Fuel Collective. Why don't you run us through how this all began? Yeah. So the Fuel Collective is built on an idea that's very, very basic, very simple concept. What if there was a collective of people who were committed to consciously adding more fuel to their relationship forever and not just um, like in the same way that you drive a car you can't expect to never service it or add fuel and for it to get you to a to b forever and ever and ever you have to at some point put fuel in so our relationships are kind of the same at some point you have to put fuel back into it Um, so my husband and I uh, we had this idea probably is more than five years ago now. Um, and it really only came to life uh, in 20, end of 2019. Um, but we were, we'd been married for about five years. Um, admittedly, we did get married quite young. We were 23, 24. And we'd kind of hit that stage where a lot of our friends had done a similar thing. They'd either got married or stepped into long-term relationships Um And then things had gone awry. Things had gone a little bit pear-shaped or not as intended. And we watched some really great mates go through yucky, yucky breakups and in some cases divorce. And we got to the point where we were in our late 20s and approaching early 30s and we had more than a handful of mates who had been through something like this. Um, And what we kind of realized was that either one or both of the people in these relationships had come from an environment where they hadn't necessarily seen a healthy, happy, thriving, fueled up relationship. So they'd met this person and decided to do life with them, but they had no blueprint that they actually wanted to recreate. Um, So we kind of went to the market and we looked at like, well, where do you learn that if you haven't been brought up in a family dynamic that you want to duplicate and you definitely didn't learn those skills at school, where do you, where do you go? Um, 
And the market kind of offers like, here's how to go and date. Here's how to present well. Here's how to find a good match. Here's how to ask interesting questions. And then there's kind of this slither of information and recommended counseling or premarital counseling right before you sort of jump into forever and ever, happily ever after commitment. And then there's resources for couples who have got married and are now trying to get the spark back or they've had kids and it's got a bit dull um, or they've, yeah, conflict is reoccurring and they want to bring it back to their intent. But there's kind of this gap where you feel like you found your person and you want to, you've got long-term intent, but you haven't quite got all of the tools in your tool belt to make that happen. So you've, you've gotten married young, you've got, you bring your own experiences, but you're watching around you or, you know, your friends going through some intense breakups and divorces and that. And this is really driven. Uh, you're finding there's a need for yeah. people to actually be, would you say taught or just finding resources for people to uh, give them the first steps uh, or just adding fuel to their yeah. relationship? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's an, uh, access to resources, ideas, concepts. Um, and we are lucky enough that we have conversations with experts in all different things. Like we have, we chat to experts about finances and wealth planning and all of that kind of stuff. But then we also talk to experts about the inner workings of your romantic relationship and your sex and your communication and your teamwork and your leadership and all of those kinds of things. But there's the love element and the really loving and caring and nurturing each other then there's also just the functional doing life as an adult together. Like mm. some of that stuff's hard. Yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I can attest to that with kids. They make life so wonderful. They're just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. I love that that's the story behind the Fuel Collective. That's great. Yeah. Right, so what? So what's the process for a couple then? So uh, yeah, yeah. So what we kind of found was there's this intersection between like love and doing life together as an adult, and a lot of the skills and things that uh, both Nathan and I had picked up in business. Um, so there's this this sweet little intersection where the things. There's this great quote from Elaine de Botton that says like. Um, romantic people see marriage as like happy rainbows happily ever after but in reality the inner workings of a marriage have more in common with a small business we have to budget and schedule and delegate tasks and there's this intersection in the middle where we need to do those things um, mm. to have a really thriving relationship yeah so for for our community and our collective we um, we have a, a group a Facebook group um, called the Thriving Couples Collective where there's heap of people in there talking about the, the problems that they're overcoming and the things that mm. they're tackling as well as just some freebie resources here's a great interview here's a great cheat sheet here's a great hack here's those kind of shortcut kind of things um, but we do also offer an online course called Couple and Team which is designed to help couples who are in the early stage of, the, of their relationship build a rock solid foundation and look under the hood of all of the things that they're going to potentially come up across in their next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 odd years together. Hmm. I'm just, as I'm hearing you share all this, I'm reflecting upon uh, my own background and what Grace and I have gone through. And um, so we were both raised in uh, evangelical churches 
Uh, and uh, for the time that that worked for us, it was, it was fantastic. And uh, you know, I was a youth pastor there. I used to work at a church and relationships were a big topic regularly. Uh, mm. There would be, uh, you know, conferences and there would be things to talk about relationships. And everyone, I feel, is interested in uh, hearing and listening about relationships. And uh, I would say both in the healthy sense and even just in the gossip sense. People are interested in <laughs> relationships and the workings yeah. and, and what happens. Uh, I, we feel... Uh, pretty, you know, lucky, pretty, I guess, blessed would be the word we used to say um, to have that background and to have so much conversation around how, you know, developing strong relationships and um, really nurturing those things. And I 100% agree with you, the relationship for it to, for it to last, for it even just to be like, just to be healthy and enjoyable uh, takes regular and uh, ongoing effort in the sense of how you mentioned it, you know, adding fuel to it. Mm. Uh, and I like how you're breaking it down a little bit in terms of talking about it. There are, there are ways of even just the logistics of it. And sometimes it can feel like we're just managing this small business called a family and just called our relationship. And, or it's almost like, we are the business and then we've got employees called kids and um, <laughs> <laughs> we're just having to navigate uh, how do we get the most out of them? How do we help them grow? How do we teach them life skills? Um, how do we not lose our shit at them uh, over even the smallest of things? Because, you know, we're in lockdown right now and when you're homeschooling, it's uh, just adds a lovely layer of happiness. And it's looking at, life in general the logistics of driving thing driving people everywhere looking at budgeting and making sure that our finances are good um and i think maybe one of the biggest things for us um and i'm not sure if this is something you talk about or things that your other your couples talk about is that when we came together we had to over not overcome but we really had to learn to understand who we were as a couple from our own experiences in terms of our own families. Uh, and I always think back to uh, a story that I heard again back when I was in church and um, she, when they got married, uh, she found herself getting really frustrated at her husband because he wouldn't uh, polish the kid's shoes. And she would just be like, why aren't you polishing the shoes? And she's like, well, why would I? It's like, if they want them clean, they can go clean them. But for her, she'd grown up and her dad, like every Sunday without failure, would polish the kids' shoes every Sunday. And that was just something she grew up with, this expectation of a loving husband or a loving dad does this. And to then go into a relationship and for those things not to be met, and it's not necessarily like this isn't like a make or break, but it's this we go in with these expectations into a relationship that this is what marriage will look like or this is what our relationship will look like or this is how I or we will parent together to go in and realise just as life is unfolding that the person I've married has their own assumptions of what life will look like and we have to work these out together. Um, how's that been for yourself and Nathan, for yourself, like couples yeah, mentioned? totally. There's things that we're still unprogramming, reprogramming. Yeah. And I, I think the difference is about choosing those things with intention. 
Because I think we fall into what are like default patterns or things mm-hmm. that we've observed in our, our parents. And it's it's everything. It's from like who does the food shopping, who does the budgeting, who pays the bills, like yeah. who cleans what rooms in what house, who's taking yep. care of the garden, like all of those things, um, if you're not consciously choosing who's taking those tasks or who's taking those responsibilities, can tend to sort of fall to whoever the default was in your respective family homes growing up as children. Um, and it's not a particularly sexy conversation, mm. is it? Like, oh, so tell me about how your parents ran the finances <laughs> in your house as a kid. And you might not know. Like, that's yeah. the truth. You might not know, oh, that kind of just happened behind closed doors or that happened yep. in the inner workings of the cogs that you don't know. Um, I think one of the, the strange things about our um, the millennial generation and the generations coming after is that we do get the opportunity to negotiate a lot of these things. But the mm. first kind of whole generation where the, the majority are both out in the workplace working. So we've got new new sort of grey area to um, negotiate and everything should be up for negotiation, right? Especially if you've got two full-time people working out in the workplace, then running your household as a team together. Um, So the the default of like mum, you know, I'm stereotyping here, but mum doing kid drop-off and pick-up and school lunches and washing and cleaning and all of that sort of stuff, like that doesn't make sense. So we have to consciously look at it and make choices and decisions. And sometimes tasks are sitting with the wrong person, the person who's not got the right skill set for that thing. You know, if someone is really great at um, organization and, and Excel, maybe that's the person who should be managing the bill spreadsheet and when things uh, get paid. Do you think that organizing the, uh, as you put it, and it, I was thinking the exact same thing, the, uh, the unsexy part of uh, relationships, that having those things organized, aligned, mm-hmm. talked about and addressed with intention are those that, do you believe that that's what really fosters and builds that healthy relationship? I, I believe that all of those things can either take proactive energy or they can take reactive energy. So mm. you either spend the time proactively going through your list of bills and expenses and setting them up on direct debit and spending that time getting that bit right so it's humming and automatic, or you spend that time on the back end chasing where the bill went and whose email inbox is it and what day is it due like you still spend time and energy either which way you do it but I know which way I would choose to do things and it's Mm. that that proactive approach of like it creates time and space and energy for the things that you do really love and the quality time that you do want to spend with the person that you've chosen to do life with yeah I love it I love it this is the stuff you're talking about and it is incredibly important uh, so what would you recommend for couples? Because possibly other couples are listening to this and they're like, this sounds great. I'm curious to find out more. Uh, but then some might not be married yet. Some might already be married. Uh, are you recommend? Is this something that you recommend for couples at all stages? Yeah, I, I'm sure maybe this is my hypothesis. But I think that at the point where you're discussing getting engaged, You've both got an underlying agreement here that we're going to do life together. Like Mm. before there's even any diamonds or any sort of um, big outward commitment, there's a a step there and it could be moving in together. It could be just some conversations about, well, what do you see our future looking like? At that point, wherever that is, where you've both sort of verbalised, 
yes, I have long-term intent for this relationship with you. Um, I think that's when you should really be talking about, well, what does that long-term really look like? What do the nuts and bolts of how we do want to do life together and we don't have to do it by default we you know one of us can um go off and create a a dream life the other one could go off and create a totally different dream life but what does it look like with the two of us creating that dream life like what you know where do you want to live what kind of car do you want to drive how many kids do you want to have how do you imagine we spend our weekends and our vacations and how many vacations do we take a, a year or whatever um, all of those conversations, I think, should be happening sort of at that precipice where you've, you're about to step into forever and happily ever after. Have some big conversations about what do you want life to look like together? Is there a time or a setting that you recommend for couples to have these conversations? Because my head is going to, I'm like, love it be intentional, be proactive, have these, you know, help conversations, mm. have these great discussions and really set yourself up, you know, and like with the credit cards, you know, not with, with bills and that, have it humming, have things, you know, planned out and mapped out. And the other side of me is going, I feel tired about thinking of when to have this, like I don't know when to have this conversation. But if I, if I wait till yeah. the end of the day, I'm going to be wrecked. Yeah, not <laughs> like, going to happen. Yeah, it's like I'll be watching Netflix, I can guarantee you. Um some yeah what yeah. Is, yeah my my recommendation or my suggestion or what works for Nathan and I is that we make a conscious commitment to mm. have that conversation like you make for a sure. commitment to have the conversation and whether or yeah. not that's blocking out half a Saturday that we're going to go for brunch and we're going to just have some deep chat we're going to be away from our home environment but I think if you don't make your relationship a priority mm. it does fall to the bottom of the list and if you got to the end of your life and you were like, what was my biggest regret? You'd be like, oh, I really wish I hadn't fucked up my relationship. I would have really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and yet it's so easy for our partner and our relationship to fall to the bottom of the priority list, especially after like, you know, you, you draw that comparison for like when you were first trying to win that person, in, you mm. know, whether or not you're, you're pursuing them. And you, at the beginning, you wanted the first date and then you wanted the second date and then you wanted the third date. And then you, you were trying to pursue those things that if you kept pursuing your partner and making time for them always, maybe there would never be an end. Mm. No, it's very true. I remember hearing that, that similar advice, uh, you know, do the things you used to do when you were trying to, you know, yeah, in the beginning, pursue, yeah, in, the, in your beginning, uh, you know, whether it's little notes or um, little gifts, just uh, things to let them know that you're keen, you're interested, mm-hmm. uh, and if you keep doing those, you know, yeah, and if be going well, and if in the beginning you never made time for that relationship, it probably wouldn't be there. For so sure, it's the same. You need to continue to make that time. Yeah. Hmm. Now you've been you've been a bride. Yes. And you 2012. 2012. <laughs> and uh, you beat us by one year. And you've been a bridesmaid yeah. for I think you said seven to eight. Yeah, a, a lot of a, what feels like a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight times. I'm curious for my listeners, what advice do you have with their weddings? Because there's probably a fair bit. Yeah. I 
I have been so blessed and honored to be in all of those weddings. And I feel so grateful to have shared those days with those people. Very, very important, special day. Mm. Um, But being in a bridal party, um, taking on that responsibility is a responsibility. Mm. And um, some, some brides, some bridal parties have definitely done it better than others in terms of having some sort of outline of agreement of what this role and response what does this role actually mean for us in in our wedding I've been in bridal parties where there's been um multiple catch-ups as a whole bridal party before the big day I've been in bridal parties where I met the groomsmen the day of the wedding after the ceremony like no rehearsals no like any of that sort of stuff you're meeting them for the first time as you're getting photos together so I think there's navigating that um, understanding when you're inviting someone or bef- maybe even before you're inviting someone to be in your bridal party, like, well, as a member of our bridal party, these are the kind of things that I'm expecting, whether or not it's around um, the commitment of time. Like there's some some people have all of the events that go with a wedding. It's not just the wedding, whether it's, you know, bridal showers or um, hens days and hens evenings and weekends away and bridal party rehearsals and all of those things versus other people who like to show up in the day and it'll be great um yes I think having a really being able to clearly articulate what it is you're expecting from that bridal party in terms of their time like I'm are you am I expecting you to take any days off of work do I need you to be showing up on a random Friday or a Thursday or whatever it is um to be part of this Mm -hmm. um are they going to be like suit fittings or dress fittings or group pamper days like when is it what are the time what are the time commitments that are associated with with this responsibility um because I think a lot of people just sort of fumble their way through that and it's like oh yeah another thing oh yeah another thing and it's there's not been transparency over the the whole process um I always feel like just clear is kind being clear Mm. is, is kind unclear is unkind yeah 100% 100% and you can, people can get frustrated and rightfully so when you're going with an expectation, you've given someone this, you know, it's, it's an honour to be asked to be part of someone's bridal party uh, for that person then to not uh, be involved in the way that they're that the that you were hoping. Were expecting. Yeah, yeah. They were hoping, yeah. Um, but, of course, you need to let that person know. It's like, well, this, yeah. you know, will you be, you know, best man or groomsman? Yeah, of course cool you know this is what we're you know this is what it's going to look like and it's like is that going to work for you and that's just a an open honest conversation about uh whether it's the right fit for the person and i think Uh, you need to go into that conversation with like no hard feelings like i would love you to be involved but it is going to mean this much time and this much money yeah like because there are there's always costs associated with being in someone's wedding i don't think i've been in one where there's not been some level of commitment financially um but knowing whether or not that person can meet that Mm. expectation and having no hard feelings if they go look i thank you so much for asking but i i feel like i'm going to be better as just coming along as a guest i thank you for asking but i can't can't contribute in the way that would fit yeah yep yeah i'm thinking about a wedding i did um a couple of years ago and the best man came to the best man speech and it's, you know, it's pretty, I think if you take on the roles as best man, you're expected 
mm-hmm. getting ready to give that speech. It's probably the one thing. It's like if I nail this speech, I've nailed my role. Well done. And my yeah. best my best man, I feel like he nailed his. He's one of the speeches that people regularly tell me that they remember. And mm. um, That's so nice. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, some of it was possibly for some stories he probably didn't need to share. However... <laughs> It created a memorable moment and uh, it is good. And I, it's exactly what I would have expected and I, I think it's great. He did a great job. Uh, but I'm thinking to a wedding when I was emceeing at the reception and it came to best man speech and uh, he hadn't prepared anything. And I think mm. he was just going to wing it. Uh, the issue was when he went to wing it, he had nothing. Uh, and... You could just tell, like, at first everyone was like, hey, oh, you know, sort of thing, oh, he's, he's struggling, you know, mm-hmm. or, or it's like, is this part of his thing? He's just going to come out with his, yeah. you know, cracker of a story. Uh, and it, after about a minute of him just sort of trying to stand up something, it was like just the, the it just got awkward. Mm. Um, I hope to yeah. never see that again. <laughs> I hope to never see that again. I went in there and I, I feel like I, I rescued him. He owes me so many beers. I feel like I went and rescued him and, and helped him kind of come up with something on the spot um, that, that because the point is it's about the bride and the groom, or sorry, it's about the couple, but this was about this bride and the groom. It was about their wedding. It was about um, their moment with everyone and he had a role to perform, which is a very culturally expected role, you say yeah. speech and you, you even if you don't get everyone laughing, you at least say you know, elegant, well-said speech with a you know, nice story in there, mm. but he had nothing. Uh, so it was about there making this a memorable moment uh, and getting something from him. And in the end, he was able to come up with something. He just needed a few promptings. But again, if there had been a conversation of, hey, write down something before, get ready, be ready. Yeah. Um, You'll have eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eight minutes. Well, whatever it is, to, that's yeah. your slot. Make sure you are prepared. <laughs> Make sure it's good. Yeah, yeah. And I, there's my, there would be so many different expectations from different yeah. couples of what they want their bridal parties and how much effort and time, as you said, to give. And I think that's such good advice to recommend to say, hey, this mm. is this is what's going to look like. Uh, and I think you should be able to have those honest conversations. If you're going to have them in your bridal party, surely they're people that you can tell them this is what we want. Um, can you do it? Can you, you know, we want you to be part of it. This is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and same for the the finances, right? I think often in mm. bridal parties, like things, things obviously things pop up, things are, are unexpected, but there are yeah. some things that are totally forecastable expenses. For sure. Like, especially for girls, like we're going to go and get our hair done. We're going to go and get our nails done. We're going to go and go do the spray tan. We're going to go get spanks. We're going to go like all of the, these steps in the process, yeah. understanding who's going to pay for it. And I don't think there's a right or wrong or like go 50-50 or the bride should pay for everything or the bridesmaid should pay for everything. I think that is going to be a unique situation. Mm. And also in a bridal party, you might have someone who's never been in a bridal party before. Mm. And then someone like me who's maybe done it a few times and has some knows what to anticipate um but yeah there is there are some financial commitments to being involved and i think being clear and kind up front about who's going to pay for what yep 100 percent. and for a bride and groom that's a good thing to budget for too (laughs) because extra bridal party members can add costs each and every one you add yeah it's good i like this being planned having the conversations feel like this is a big part of Fuel Collective and it's a big part of what you're good at. 
This is good. I like this. So what would be your best advice? And let's take it back to um, relationships, you know, the, mm. the heart and the reason of your collective. What's your best advice for couples? Yeah. So this is probably something that Nathan and I felt our way through probably for the first like five years. I reckon it was maybe around year six or seven that we um, started implementing this. So every year we do what is called an annual game plan and we spend um, a day planning out the next 365 days. We go through um, our calendars. What are the things that are immovable, like other weddings that we're attending, other events that we're attending, all that sort of stuff. And then we talk about like, well, when are we going to take some time for us? When are we going to have weekends away? Um, when are we going to try and take holidays or vacation? Um, but part of that is also some goal setting. What are the things that Nath really wants to achieve this year? What are the things that I really want to achieve this year? And what are the things that we want to commit to achieving um, together? And sometimes they're things that we have been kicking the can down the road on. Like as an example, we do not have a will, which is very irresponsible. That's very irresponsible. So, but at the beginning of 2021, that went on our annual game plan of like sure. this, we cannot kick this can down the road to next year. But yep. then there were other things like I really wanted to learn how to surf this year. Mm. Um, and we wanted to host a, a handful of dinner parties, um, things like that, that we wanted to be really conscious to make time for. Mm. Um, but a big part of that is drawing from our bigger vision for our life and how we want to spend our, our time together. Um, on this beautiful planet, doing life the way that we get to choose how we want to do it. Yeah, so my biggest piece of advice is to get some clarity over what are the big goals and the things that you want to achieve in your lifetime together um, and then filter that down to a, a more granular kind of year level. So mm. um, there's a really great exercise by um, a guy named Keith Abraham who is like the expert in goal setting and he has this thing called the 100 Lifetime Goals. Um, and it's 25 questions. And if you can come up with four or five answers for um, each of those questions, you've got your hundred like that. Um, and it's a good exercise because it, it encourages you to think really big. Like what are the skills mm. you want to master? What are the countries you want to visit? What are the, the big festivals or events that you want to see in your lifetime? All of those things. What are the things you want to create? What are the things you want to give? Um, and then distill it down. Like, what do you want to do this year? Mm. The reason I laughed before with the will is that's something that Grace and I have been uh, <laughs> discussing, we should say. Should we be accountability buddies? <laughs> and I'll it's, do mine if you do yours. <laughs> it's definitely been, uh, look, we've emailed family mm -hmm, lawyers. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it. We've got a price for it. Yep, same. And, and it's like, that is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the price. And we will get back to you uh when pete can actually do some work and get paid for it <laughs> yeah. and i think that's the catch about the will isn't it because like yeah you will feel like you have nothing more after you've paid the money than you had before you paid the money so yeah the outcome feels oh do i really want to invest in this but it's important yep. and we should all be responsible adults in mature relationships 100 <laughs> percent um I'm sure my kids would appreciate it, even though they don't yeah. even know what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's about not leaving your mess to someone else to clean up. Yes. Yes, that is very true. It's very responsible. Uh, and it is part of being an adult. Let's mm -hmm. get a will. Get a will. Yeah. So, yeah. Why bad men? There's so much admin. of it. My goodness. It is wonderful. But 
life, it's also a lot better when you are intentional, when you do have things organized and planned. And I like that. Is that at the start of every year that you have one that I can't forget? Yeah. What do you call it? The we call it the annual game, game plan. Annual so our, game plan. Our plan for the annual. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we normally do ours um, at the end of November um, sure. because we normally take a couple of weeks of vacation or holiday in December. So we like to mm. know wrap up and we kind of do like a bit of a review like for the year like how did we go what's working really well what didn't work what were the things that we struggled with what do we feel like we need to give more attention to what are the things that we know could be better um yeah we do that kind of thing and then that helps us set some intention for the for the year so some years Mm -hmm. have been about like well the really big focus is we're going to save some cash or this year is all about um, someone getting a promotion or a pay rise or really leveling up in their career or you know we've had all sorts of different kind of focuses or there's been like years where it's been got a lot of stuff going on with family and that's Mm -hmm. going to be really the key focus for the year Um, but yeah again it's about being quite intentional about choosing it rather than life having happening to you you know it's easy to have like the day roll pass and the week roll pass and the month roll pass and then all of a sudden it's freaking august and you're like whoa how did this happen yeah yeah and how does that then look like so you have the conversation you have a big annual day and then you're just putting things on calendar because not everything will be on a calendar but i don't know so we, we've got, so this is a lot to remember. So we've bundled it all up. So it's mm-hmm. um, fuelcollective.com.au forward slash AGP if you want to get the agenda of what cool. we kind of work through and yeah. all of the resources. But basically the, the outcomes for it is um, on the back of our front door. So when we come in and out of the house every day, we've got our 21 goals for 2021. They are there stuck up in your face every day. Sure. That's one of the tangible outcomes. We also have an annual wall calendar that we stick up in our kitchen and same, it's got like the, the key dates, not everything, but the key dates, like when we've got visitors coming, when we're traveling, long weekends, that sort of stuff um, all marked up. So that's kind of like a tangible thing. And then some of the things um, go into our like shared calendar ecosystem, um, whether or not that's commitments that involve other people or, um, you know, we, we tend to um, attend a couple of the same events every year, like festivals and things like that. So those dates go in there. Um, yeah, those kind of things all, all sort of tie in a big bow. Um, but mostly we come out with the intention of like, well, what are the things that are really important to you for this year mm. and for us? Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm really getting the, uh, the heart behind uh, the Fuel Collective is putting, giving people the tools to be intentional mm. about the relationship they want and the life that they want to build together. Yeah. I think a lot of things, like I don't know where I picked up this corny little saying, but without a framework, it's guesswork. Mm. I think it'd be so hard to be like, all right, we're going to put a day in the calendar to talk about our relationship in the year. And then have no framework to work with. Be mm. like, okay, you know, do it if we, as, and then as soon as you've got like a few little things, few little questions to prompt you to get going, you're like, oh yeah, this all happened, or these were the things where we fell over. But without the prompt, um, it can be hard to kind of unearth what's really going on. Yeah. Can I ask how has the impact of COVID and lockdown? What's that done to some of these? 
goals? Has it just been like, oh, we'll, we'll come back to that next year? Yeah, I think that that's about just having grace for yourself um, yeah. and knowing. I think we know. We know when we're being kind and compassionate um, with ourselves. Like, as an example, you know when you're not going to the gym because you're truly sick versus you're avoiding it. I think you, you, you know when you're cheating yourself. So yeah. I think for us and the, our 2020, 21 goals for 2021, um, there's some that like we're, we're in, yeah, we're approaching the back end of the year. We're definitely not halfway. There's mm. definitely things that um, I, I hope we're still going to knuckle down and, and get done. Um, but there's others like we had a couple of savings goals that just feel very out of reach now. Um, sure. just different things have happened and we've had different priorities and that's totally okay. But I definitely feel like we've got further, faster by having the goals than not and just fumbling our way through. Yeah. It's just about creating focus and intention. Well, Sammy, I love it. Uh, I love what the Fuel Collective is about. And uh, where do you recommend couples to go from here? So they're, they're enjoying listening. They're, they love the heart yeah. behind it. What do you recommend? Where do they go from here? So you can find me personally on Instagram as Sammy somewhere with a Sammy with an I. Um, flick me a little fuel emoji and I'll send you the link if you're Instagram savvy. Um, otherwise, come and listen to the podcast. We host the Date Forever podcast where we chat to couples and experts about the tips and tricks that they've found to keep a relationship fueled up. We talk everything from like sleep and diet and nutrition and grooming and finance and all of the admin things to communication styles and what does it actually practically look like for real life couples, yeah. as well as what the experts kind of prescribe and recommend. Um, and then the third option is just to go and grab some of those free resources on our website, fuelcollective.com.au forward slash freebies. Um, yeah. Or grab the annual game plan, fuelcollective.com.au forward slash AGP. Awesome. Sammy, thank you so much. And uh, you've given you've given me a lot to think about, and uh, I feel like I'm going to need to go to Grace and be like, "Let's we should bring be it intentional out, about." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it's been great, so thank you for that. And hey, everyone, uh, we'll make sure we put uh, all of the Instagram handles and links and all of that um, in the show notes. But go over to uh, Fuel Collective, take a look. Um, there's some freebies there, um, some things to get you started, and uh, perhaps you'd be keen to sign up and deep dive in and be really intentional and get some of those tools for your own relationship. But thank you for joining us. Thank you once again, Sammy. And uh, everyone have an incredible day. Okay. Bye.